Psalm chapter 119. So this morning's very exciting because we're going to have a very... The, the service will seem like it's compressed because it actually is. We have a very exciting day uh, today because I, I need to be done preaching by 10.30 because we have somewhere between 10 and 11 baptisms this morning. And so we need to leave plenty of room for all of that to happen. And so if you're a part of those, if you're, if you're part of the families or whatever of the baptism, you might want to sit on this side so you can see better. But uh, just to let you know, that's why we're going to move things right along this morning. Psalm chapter 119, beginning with verse 33, says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep Your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of Your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to Your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in Your ways. Confirm to Your servant Your promise that You may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Give me life. Father, this morning you are good and your ways are just. And Lord, we do come before you this morning in worship and in praise. And we give you all the glory that's due your name. In Jesus' name, amen. How great your love is that you should lavish unto us the right to be sons and daughters. The right to be your children. Father, thank you for your love towards us. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience even unto death. That because of all of that, we get to experience life, true life, everlasting. We give you the glory, honor, and praise today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Real quickly, as we get ready to receive the offering, 2 Corinthians 9, 10-13 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the need of the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from our from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. These verses talk about uh, an expectation that God is able to take what you have, take what you're, how you live your life, take it, take how you give and multiply it. He's the one who gives you what you multi what's multiplied anyway. Everything we have is His. He gave it to us. It's, it's not because of our own wisdom. It's not because of our own ability. It's because of His 
power, his mercy, and he gives seed to the sower. Plus, he also is able to multiply that seed and multiply the gift. And we're supposed to, we are generous in every way, just like we're blessed in every way. The Bible says we're supposed to be blessed. It's setting a standard. If I were to ask the question, and I'm going to ask the question later in the regular regular uh, message, are you blessed in every way? Are you generously, overwhelmingly blessed in every way? That's a very good question. And it's a question that most of us can't answer yes. And we need to set a new standard because it's all over the, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Even the Old Covenant talks about a standard of blessing that God has for His people that we're not living in. But as we give, He gives us the seed to sow And as we sow it, there will be enough, not only for each person, but for every every need, every good work that He's doing. Amen? Father, we do thank You for this opportunity this morning to give. We thank You for Your kingdom. We thank You for Your promises, Your principles. And we thank You, Lord God, that Your Word works every time. Your Word is true every time. In Jesus' name, Amen. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 through 14 says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be anyone or everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of law, of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse. Underline that. Circle it, underline it, highlight it. If you've got yellow, if you can do like half yellow and half green, would be awesome. Because it's really, really important. Verse 13, Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So the whole New Testament is a story about what Jesus did, what Jesus did. The whole Old Testament is a story about what God did and then what man did and then what God did. So what what God did was He created an earth. He created a perfect earth. He created an earth that ahead of time had everything it needed for His main focused creation, man. You notice that everything that was created was created before man. Man was the last creation. He was the last thing that God created. And so God created everything He needed, everything. All the supply, all everything that was needed, it was there, it was in a garden. Now we don't know how big the garden was. It kind of gives us some outlays, but you know, some of the rivers don't exist anymore uh, because it's desert. 
where you know after after the fall of man after sin then then the earth started to decay and die but the garden was there and it was full of supply god gave him abundantly and he told man go forth and and t- and take dominion over the earth expand the dominion grow this garden grow this this uh, this creation of god and so as he began to do that, man was naming animals, he was doing all that, he was taking dominion, and then he was tempted to not believe God. And now we can t- preach a whole sermon, a whole, whole series on what happened there. But he was tempted to not believe God and to believe the devil instead, and he chose to believe the devil. He chose to believe the lie. And when he did that, he, pr- he brought a curse on the earth. Genesis 3 is, is, is about what happened and then what God did. What God did is He said, all right, because I gave you the authority over the earth and you chose to believe Satan instead of believing me, He says, I'm putting a curse on you and because of you, there's a curse on the whole earth. The earth, we are living in a cursed earth. Think about the places you've traveled to. Think about the places you've been, the, the Rocky Mountains, the, the, the ocean side. Oh, the ocean side. Oh, oh, the ocean side. But you think about all the beauty of this earth, how gorgeous it actually is, and yet it's still cursed. Think what it would have looked like had we not fallen, had man not fallen and done what God had, had told us to do. But he has, in it, there is still provision. He just said, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow, by the things, by, by having to work slave every day, you're going to have to make a living and it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to just be dumped in your lap. So we went through a whole Old Testament, 4,000 years of history of man you know, trying to strive and trying to make it and trying to live and, and trying to do something. But in that process, God chose a people. And He chose a people just because He wanted to. It was His prerogative. He decided, I, I want them. Why? Mainly because the people that He chose, the Abraham, Abraham was a man who believed God. Finally. Somebody who believed God. Well, praise God for other people who believe God. Well, praise God for Noah. You know, Noah. We all have a great, 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 grandfather. His name is Noah. We're all related in that way. But praise God for him because he he believed God was going to destroy the earth and he did something about it. He believed him. It all comes down to belief, doesn't it? He believed him and then acted upon it. Well, so did Abraham. Abraham, God told Abraham, leave your family, leave your people, go to a land that you've never been to before. You're going to live in tents forever. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham and his wife Sarah had no children. And the older they got, the, the, the less likely in, in reality, the less likely in, in the, the, the grand scheme of things that there was going to be a son. He kept getting older. Hebrews says that, you know, Abraham looked at his body and despite the fact that it was as good as dead, he believed God. He trusted God. So when all the facts were against him, he believed God. 
And so we get through that, and, and, and he believed God, and he did what, what God asked him to do, so he believed it, and then he acted upon it. And as he acted upon it, he received the promise, a son. And then God did something really crazy. He said, kill him. What? I mean, is God for murder? I'm letting it sink in for a moment. A little, you know, little pregnant pause there. No, but he, he wanted to see, Abraham, do you really, really believe me? And Abraham really, really believed him. To the point where he took the dagger and he was going to kill his son, and God stopped him. God stopped him and, and provided a ram in a thicket. Provided an exchange. Because you believed me. I'm going to, I'm going to give you that, that place was God, or is, is called God will provide. And he did provide. He provided Jesus. He provided a sacrifice so that you and I don't have to die. That doesn't make any sense. You know, we don't have to die. There's that, that song. I love that second song where it says, where death is a lie. Wow. Did you sing that without having even, you know, did you just kind of just, Grow right through, go right past it. Because when I got to it, I was like, whoa. Where, where God is real, the faith is real, where truth is real, and death is a lie. Isn't that interesting? Hmm, that's a whole other sermon. We'll preach that some other time. But God provided Jesus. And it says throughout the whole rest of the New Testament, anyone who puts their faith in Him, not just understands that He exists. I mean, the history books have a whole, you know, it's very evident that a man named Jesus lived. And He did live where He said He lived, where the Bible says He lived. There's, There's people who are not even associated with Christianity, people who are not even associated with the the writing of the Bible. There's, there's all kinds of historians who lived at Jesus' time and said, yeah, there was a guy named Jesus. He did some remarkable things. He was a, a magician. He was a prophet. He was all kind. We don't know what he was exactly, but he did amazing things. So he did exist. Now you have to decide, is he who he said he was? And he said that he was God. He was the Son of God, but yes, he was God. He was God in flesh. And then... He did the, the most unspeakable thing. He gave up his life. It says that he could have stopped it. He could have called. He told Peter, he says, Peter, stop cutting people's ears off. Stop attacking because don't you know I could call 10,000 angels and stop this right now. But it says that he, was, he without a word, was led to the slaughter like a lamb. He did it on purpose. He laid down his life for us. And why... The big question today. Why did he lay down his life for us? He did it for Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. He was hung on a cross. Wasn't a nice, you know, sanded, gorgeous oak cross like this. It was two pieces of wood that stretched him out, hung him until he died. He was beaten. He was dis- disfigured. He was destroyed. It said, it says in, in uh, one of the Old Testament books, it says he was beaten so badly he was not even recognizable as a man. 
And he did it on purpose. He did it for us to be redeemed from the curse. The whole curse, anything that God spoke over man in Genesis chapter 3 is redeemed in Galatians. Well, actually, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it's he's mentioning here it's, it's, it has been redeemed. So when he said that, that, that there would be a curse on man, it's redeemed. That there was a curse on the woman, it was redeemed. That there's a curse on the earth, on the creation, it's been redeemed. But the thing is, just like every other person through history, we have to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants you to believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And what does He reward us with? Redemption from the curse. So what's the curse? What's the curse? Anything that wasn't created. Anything that God didn't do in the beginning. The curse is sickness, death, uh, uh, lack, uh, destruction. Help me. Anything else? Fear? Somebody say fear. I heard beer, but I, I, I figured it was fear. I was, that's what I, I just assumed it was fear, okay? Right. The things that are in, that, that have cursed man for, for 6,000 years has been redeemed. How redeemed is it? Totally redeemed. Do you see where I'm going? He redeemed the curse. He totally redeemed the curse. Which means that the curse should have no effect on your life ever anymore. And I believe, and I can, I can show you in the scripture, where if you are affected by the curse, if I'm, and I'll just put it on me, it, when I'm affected by the curse, it's because I don't believe that He redeemed us from it fully. And we need to start thinking differently. We need to repent. Not repent, oh, you know, ashes, sackcloth. No, it means turn, changing the way you think. We need to repent and start believing that He did what He said He did. That He redeemed us from the curse. That we've, we need to set a new standard. We need, to, we need to set a new expectation. Why? Because until we set the new expectation, we'll keep believing the old reality. What is the new standard? Uh, ushers, do you have the, the thing? Uh, if you were here Wednesday night, you already have one of these. Don't take one. I handed out a handout on Wednesday in our, in our class about healing. I handed out a, a handout with the definition and some explanation of two words. Two words that we need to, to, to put up uh, you know, in, a, in a prominent place in our lives. We need to study them out. We need to understand them. We need to, to meditate on them. We need to look up scriptures based upon them, wherever it talks about it in scripture. Two words. One of those words is shalom. 
And if I could get one too, I don't have one in my... One of the words, the first word is shalom. Shalom was a, is a Hebrew word that the Israelites, that Jews, when they greet each other, they say to each other, it's, it's like hello, shalom. It's the greeting that they use when they greet one another. And then when they leave each other, they say shalom. It's the same greeting. In, 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 in English, we have two different words, or many different words. We have hello and goodbye. In Hungarian, when you're in Hungary, there's one word, hello and hello. When you, when you see somebody, you greet somebody, you say hello. And as you say goodbye, you say hello. <laughs> Ciao. That makes me hungry. See, that just it doesn't do anything for me. But in in uh, Hebrew, it's shalom. Shalom. And shalom isn't just a greeting. It isn't just peace be on to you, you know, just kind of this, you know, hippie thing, you know, peace. It's, it's shalom is a greeting, but what you're doing when you greet the person, when you first meet them, is you're pronouncing a blessing over them. Peace be unto you. Peace. Shalom. And then as you leave each other, hey, still, I want peace to be on to you. You're pronouncing a blessing onto their life. But the word shalom is not just a one-faceted uh, word. It's actually much, much more broad than that. And we're not going to spend a ton of time on that because you can listen to all everything on from Wednesday night online on, uh, what are we, River Valley, rbcc.info has the recording for that. But shalom is is a much deeper, much uh, fuller, much more meaningful word than just peace. The Hebrew word conveys feeling, intent, and emotion. Shalom is more than just simply peace. It is complete peace. It's a feeling of contentment, completeness, wholeness, well-being, and harmony. It actually is, is translated, best translated, nothing missing, nothing broken. I pray that nothing in your life be missing. Everything you need. You need more copies? Oh, okay. I see she's receiving. I thought she had a, was giving me a, there's, there's more coming. How about, okay. Praise God. Well, enjoy. Receive, receive. So, but it's nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing in your life is missing. Every provision, every blessing, every, every grace, everything you need is yours. Healing is yours. Uh, provision is yours. Protection is yours. Everything. I, my, my desire for you is that there's nothing in your life missing. Also, there's nothing in your life broken. That there's nothing in your life broken. There's no broken health. There's no broken finances. There are, your, your relationships are not broken. Your, your, uh, the goals and the purpose of your life is not broken. It's whole. It is completely whole in every way. So my question from the, from the offering time was, can you say that your finances, there's nothing in the financial, in your financial life that is broken? Can you say that? Or can you say, moving to this part, that there's nothing in your health that is missing? That there's nothing in your relationships 
that are missing or broken. That there's nothing in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your home, that there's nothing in your life. If there's something missing, something broken in your life, then you're still affected by the curse. You are. I am. If if there's something that I'm dealing with that is outside of the completeness and the wholeness of God, then I'm being affected by the curse. And He redeemed me from the curse. This gap, this absolute departure from reality, here's this standard that God is setting. No curse. Everything redeemed. Everything blessed. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. And then there's this sliding scale from, you know, way over here where everything's broken and everything is missing and every, there's no peace. There's no joy. There's, there's no happiness. There, or there's no life. There's death. There's, there's sickness. There's disease. There's loss. There's financial despair. There's all these things are on this other side. And then we're somewhere in between here. And I want to begin to paint a picture because we need to have something to shoot for. What is the standard that we can have? Is it somewhere in reality? Because we live in this sinful world. It's somewhere around here. Somewhere between, you know, always sick, always broke, always in distress, and never broke, never sick. Never, never sick. Now, just think about this. Never sick. That's the claim I'm making is that over here is never sick, never in lack, never missing anything. Here's that side. And over there is complete. Where's the reality in the world that we live in? Is it here? Is it, is it here? Is it really over here? Because this is a horrible world. I mean, just look at the presidency. Oh, you know, oh, look at the stock market. Look at, look at the way things are. Oh, <gasps> or is it more over here? You know, because we, we live, you know, here's the reality. We're going to be affected by the world. So we just have to put up with some of this stuff. You know, it's here. Or, you know, or is it more here? Do you know what the goal is? It's here. That is what the Word of God says. It says it right there in Galatians. It says that He has redeemed us from the curse. Why then are we still affected by shades of the curse. It's because we don't believe it. And that part has to change, and it can. Turn to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Another parallel verse with some of the music that was sang this morning. I was, I'm always amazed at the music choices, because I, like I say, I never, cha- I never share what I'm going to preach with Jamie or whoever's leading worship. But it's amazing how the Holy Spirit puts together. Romans 8, 16. 
through 21 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation has been subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of God. Is that what it says? I left out a word. Two words. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to the corrupt, to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What sets the world free from its corruption? The children of God. Why are we, do we still, still see corruption of the creation? It's because the children are still experiencing the corruption from the fall. It's because we're not living it. We're not living it to the full. And why don't we live it to the full? Because we don't think it's possible. We don't really believe that this is possible. We believe somewhere down there for all the reasons, every reason you can imagine. Partly because we came from way down there. And anything moving away from there towards this is acceptable to us. At least I'm not as in as much pain as I was 30 years ago. At least my life doesn't stink as much as it did 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. As long as I don't have to live like so-and-so. I can live here. Oh, I can breathe here. But it isn't just for you. It isn't just for you to have a breather. The reality of it is He has called us to live here. Live in this place. Nothing broken. Nothing missing. Because the rest of the creation is groaning and aching and needing us to walk in that fullness. Otherwise it will continue to stay that way. We have to set a new standard. We have to set a new expectation. And that expectation is that God sent Jesus to redeem us from the curse so that as we live our lives to the fullness in that new life, it redeems the rest of creation from that curse. Every day, more and more, all the way along. One last section. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. 
as you're doing that, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus, after his baptism in the Jordan, did Jesus ever have a cold? Did Jesus ever have the flu? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you know. Nowadays we have a puke bucket. You know, I suppose uh, back in those days it was a puke lake jar, clay jar. I don't know. I'm just painting a picture for you, folks. Did Jesus ever break a bone? Why not? Because the word says that not one bone shall be broken. Well, come on, even he was a kid. Hello. You know, I'm sure he was no, he wasn't skateboarding. What would he have been doing? Donkey riding, man. Just, woo, you know. Did did Jesus ever suffer? The curse. Where? Oh, come on, you theologians. I know that. But in the first 33-ish parts of his... Before the cross, did Jesus ever experience the effects of the curse himself? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. I'm just pushing the button. I just want to make you think. Because was Jesus under the curse? I'm going to leave it right there. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want you to think. Deuteronomy chapter 28, only because I'm happy to think. I don't have the answer. I just, you know, I mean, I have some ideas and I have some questions. And same, I'm hearing the same things that you're hearing and thinking and struggles. Pray, think about that. Meditate on that. Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the other nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And He will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. The Lord will establish you as a holy, as people holy to Himself, as He has sworn to you, if you keep the, com if 
if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways. And read the rest of that chapter. It goes on and on and on talking about the, the, the stipulations to the blessing. There are cursings in the next chapter. There's cursings that also he pronounced that day. But those cursings are only if you disobey. Only if you don't believe. Only if all those reasons. He pronounced blessings. So when it says that he redeemed us from the curse to receive the blessing of Abraham... That is the blessing on Abraham's seed. That we can that is ours. All of that is ours. Every bit of it, a hundred percent of it, complete in all of its ways. This is that. And many others. That is the blessing we're supposed to experience every day, every moment, every year, our whole life through. That is what He has given us. That's the goal. We don't live there because we don't believe it's possible. We have to change the way we think. We have to change. We have to repent because, not just for you. I mean, it's great. Praise God, we will get the blessings of that. But the real reason is for them. It's for the rest of the world. Because there are people in darkness. And those people are looking for an answer. They're looking for hope. There's people that don't know that Jesus died for them. They don't know that they don't have to live in sin and death and loss and destruction. They don't know it because that's all they know. That's all they have understanding of. And then, and then you actually come on the scene. You come into the workplace, a new job or whatever. You come in there and you start living your life. And they look at you and they go, why don't I like him? Because the Bible says you smell like death to them. It reminds them of who they are. They're in death. And and without Jesus, it smells like death and destruction. But they know there's something different. But if your life isn't showing something different, if you're just as struggling, just as as desperate, just as as sick, just as everything is them, hey, what's the difference? I'm telling you folks, we need to live over there. We need to live every moment over there. And it is possible. I'm walking the same walk you are. I'm walking the same walk from I came from over there and I'm somewhere in between here. But what I'm starting to realize, because for a long time I didn't even think that was possible. I thought something close to it might be possible. But I'm telling you, the Word says it right there. This is possible. And there's all the doubt, all the struggle, all the warfare that's now going on in your head because, well, what about? Therein lies the fight. We're going to start painting a new picture. This. This is reality. The experience of this. Never sick again. Oh, well, well. That's, you know, that's pretty crazy. I know it. But so is God coming to earth and living a perfect life and dying on a cross and walking on water and deaf eyes, deaf eyes, uh, blind eyes open, 
Deaf ears. That's where the head, you know, the, the mind gets way ahead of the tongue. <laughs> Miracles, signs and wonders. It's all real. And it's not just real 2,000 years ago. It's real in you. It's real in you. It's real, it's, it's real in every one of us. If we believe. We need to change because we need it and they need it. But you won't get it for them until you experience it yourself. Raise that we're raising the standard. We keep raising the standard. Okay, if you're right, if you're right here, it's better than being over there. But tell you what, you can be over here. You there is a life you can live without having to worry where every paycheck is gonna go. There is a life where you don't have to worry if your bills are going to be paid. There is a life where you don't have to live on pills. There is a life where you don't have to wake up every morning and oh, oh, okay. Physically, financially, socially, there is a life where you walk in victory every single moment, and it's here on earth. You don't, we don't have to wait till heaven. The only reason we're not is because we don't believe it's possible yet. So start moving the bar. Amen? Amen. Amen. I am so excited this morning. The rest of this morning is going to be an absolute party, joy, and and commitment time. We have 10 or 11, 7-ish, 14, somewhere. We have a bunch of people who are being baptized this morning. I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Karen. Uh, do you need the microphone? Because what we're doing is we need to have that microphone for uh, hearing what happens there. There's another microphone here. Does this one work, Brian? That'll pick them up in there. We've got it all set up. This one is Ish on. He's working on it. Okay. This is exciting. We've um, been doing a series in our elementary class on our amazing God. We've looked at the three persons of God, which is kids. What's one of them? Grayson. Holy Spirit's one. Andrew. Father's another one. What's the third person? Son. Okay. We were on the Holy Spirit now, our last one, but a couple weeks ago we were talking, we were closing down on Jesus, and we talked about following Jesus in baptism. And so we did an extensive teaching on water baptism, and at the end made it uh, an opportunity for anyone that wanted to be water baptized that hadn't been. And so as a result of that, we have seven children. Um, Okay, that is exciting. They didn't just get born again. This is a decision. You know, we haven't really taught on baptism, so most of them have been born again for a while, and we have one adult, um, Brianna, who has been born again for many years, but, you know, God leads you to do what you do, and it's time for him to minister to you to do that. And so she's decided this is a prime opportunity um, to do it with all the kids that she's ministering with. So that's exciting. Um, but we, we, we discussed what baptism really is, and we are to do it. We're commanded to do it, first of all, so we should do it. Um, but understanding why we do it. And I'm just going to quick share with you what the kids learned, that it's it's not salvation. 
you don't get born again when you're baptized. You're born again before you get water baptized. And so water baptism is just an outward example, symbolic, of what's happened on the inside, that you've had a life change, that you've committed your life to Jesus. You're going to live for him. You're going to become more like him by the example he set. And so uh, today it's a public acknowledgement of what all these children and Brianna have done on the inside, that they've committed their life to the Lord, and they have chosen to walk in obedience and uh, live their life for him. And then it's exciting as children because they've got their whole life ahead of them, right? That's why it's so special when children get born again. And so we talked about what each part represents when, when Jesus died on the cross. He wasn't a sinful person, but he did take sin upon him, as we talked about. He was cursed. And so when we go under the water... The kids have uh, been taught now that that identifies with Jesus' death on the cross, death to that sin, what Pastor John's been talking about. When he rose from the dead and they come up out of the water, and they won't keep you underwater as long as I kept pretending that I kept Grayson underwater because I had to talk in between. I go, okay, we don't keep you underwater that long, okay? It's just a quick dunk, okay? But that identifies with Christ's resurrection to a new life and a powerful life of living in all the blessings that Jesus provided for us on the cross. So what I'm going to have you do is kind of line up um, as families, and um, if you have more than one child, which everybody does, um, you can take all your children in with you and then do baptism singly. But um, do you want Nelson's go first, and then we can have Schwartz's, and if you just kind of want to line up, um, and then Justin's. And last but not least, we're going to do Brianna. Okay? So this is exciting. Take lots of pictures. Oh, it's like three that's on our living room wall. And I know you guys have, have both read that. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, uh, know what you hope for and be certain what you can't see. So you guys, I know you hope for stuff every day, right? Yeah. I know you hope for her to leave you alone. Yes. And you hope for him to leave you alone. And I hope for both him. of you to leave each other alone. Video game. Video yes. game. Video game. <laughs> But, can we see Jesus? You can see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Can you see Jesus right in front of you as a man? Not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> Direct my train of thought. <laughs> but I, I, I think it, God wanted me to tell you today, it's very important to, to be certain like, when you hope for stuff, you don't always get it, right? Yeah. But with Jesus, you can be certain 
that he's real. Why? Be- because he's God, because he died at the cross for your sins, and because his word is truth. So every day from now on, after you get baptized, you need to remember that and walk in, in, in his glory because that is what's going to get you to where you need to be. Not hope on itself, but it's Jesus. Do you understand that? Do you agree with that? Okay. Then I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. of your life to Jesus and to God and to Christ. So this is your dying to your old self and you're alive with Christ when you come back up. Okay? Do you accept that? Do you accept that? Yeah. <laughs> so we baptize you in the church of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Savior. And then this is symbolic that you will also be following him for the rest of your days. Right? So that's exciting for mom and I because we can't make that decision for you. That's your guys' decision. 
you guys are deciding to make mom and dad's God, your God, and follow him for the rest of your days. And that's super exciting for us. And uh, I don't know, for this day, this feels like this is what I'm called to be as a dad. And so this is exciting for mom. So, okay. All right, you ready? Sam, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, raised in his likeness. Victoria Renee, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. all stand. Praise God. When we, uh, when we installed this baptismal many years ago and George did all the, all the plumbing and all the work of that, and one of the things the Holy Spirit said to me is there will be a day when that water is full all the time. There will be a day when we're doing baptisms on a daily basis. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. Father, we do thank You so much for each of these lives. We thank You, Father, for their commitment to You, their, their love of You, their, their desire to be in You all the days of their life. 
And Father, we as the body, as the church, stand with them. And we say yes and amen. We agree in the name of Jesus that the commitments that they made today stick. And that they live in it all the days of their life. And Father, we by joy, with joy, look forward to the day when Your kingdom grows daily. And we thank You, Father, for the lives that are being touched and will be touched for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen.